0: Language Chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond where we share our enjoyment and experiences of language learning with you. I'm Penny. And I'm Beck, And
1: today we have a very special guest with us on Language Chats and it's Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk and The Fluent Show. Welcome Kirsten.
2: Hello, I'm Kirsten. <gasps> this is so exciting. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm Kirsten. Hi, hi.
1: (laughs) We are so excited to have you here because, well, basically we're just two enormous fangirls of yours. (laughs) Sure (laughs) are. We have both listened to your podcast, The Fluent Show, for ages and we have a lot of admiration for you. So thank you for coming on Language Chats.
2: You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. If you've listened to the Show for ages, that's because
0: it's been going for ages. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, I think it's been going for so, so long now. Because you established fluentlanguage.co.uk in, was it 2012, Kirsten? Because that's, what, eight, nine years now?
2: Yeah, it's a while. It's it's coming it's on amazing. to a bit. That's it. I've run fluentlanguage.co.uk. Oh, like that's that's definitely when I bought it. And when I first started kind of putting my little feelers out and writing my little blog articles and teaching German, that's, that's how I started, sort of one-to-one German lessons, old school, that kind of thing. And then everything grew from there and French lessons as well. Um, and 2013, I think, was sort of my first... Ventures into audio, and 2014 is when the Creative Language Learning podcast really got its podcasty yeah. kind of name, um, and it's been the Fluent Show now for two or three years as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, there's a bit of history it's such there. An early, early adopter of podcasting, really. I mean, 2013, 2014, there weren't a lot of podcasts around back then. Or am I just like <laughs> completely out of it? Maybe there were, and I didn't realize. <laughs> oh, it's certainly exploded since. Yeah. since then like it's
2: really 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 exploded and grown and they say podcasting is going to be a one billion dollar industry or something like that it's it's really yeah. a it's an actual thing now um I, I was a fan of podcasts way before I ever it ever re, it really occurred to me to do my own uh so even when I was I remember when I was working And traveling and fluent language or teaching languages or anything that I do now was not on my mind at all yet. I remember things like being on the metro in Moscow on this really long journey and just listening to an entire episode of This American Life, which is a very, very long running podcast. I think that has been running for, must be 15 years now and yeah my husband is is quite nerdy he's a developer and i think he was in podcast into podcasts before i was so i was introduced to them early i was an early podcast listener i remember listening to podcasts and like downloading them from itunes and putting them on my ipod before before smartphones before now you can just download them onto your smartphone so yeah i have many ways of making myself sound really old it seems (laughs) (laughs)
1: So how did how did you make that jump
2: from fluent
1: language to or teaching I suppose and then into everything else that it is that you do? Can you tell us a little bit more about just that that progression?
2: It wasn't a jump as such, I would say. It was more of a kind of walk a little bit this way walk a little bit that way more of a meander rather than a jump and then in hindsight you look back at it and go oh yes of course and then Kirsten consciously decided to do this and to do that to do that but that's not really how i am like if you you probably know me well enough to know that a lot of a lot of my the way i do things in in my business uh, there's a certain level of intuitiveness in there so i will do things because i think they're going to be really really cool and podcasting itself I'll use that as an example I guess I was I was blogging I was interviewing cool people like cool teachers that were doing something different with teaching and I really enjoyed that because when I first started teaching languages I already knew I didn't want to teach teach I didn't want to be I didn't I didn't do for example a teaching qualification like a Kelter kind of thing because I looked at the content of it a lot of it is kind of you know, um, how language works and how to, how to break down language, which I felt quite confident in that area. And then obviously there's lesson prep and all that stuff. And that was important, but it was more about teaching groups and more about like, how do I best deliver knowledge? And I didn't feel so connected to all that. I just wanted to dive in head first and try stuff out. And over time I started, I started to look around at other teachers who were doing things slightly differently so the podcast wasn't a podcast at first. It was a blog series of me contacting these people who were doing really cool stuff. The first one was this guy, Mickey Mangan. Have you, do you know Mickey Mangan? No, I don't. No, oh, he had a viral video. He went viral. <laughs> he, he had this <laughs> viral video that was a... What do you call it when you have lots of video clips and you do them all together? time lapsey kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he had this... It wasn't a time of... A montage, there you go. He had this montage video that was all these clips, I think probably 52 or maybe even 365 clips of him speaking German in Germany. Because what happened is he went for a year abroad from the USA to Germany and filmed himself speaking German every single day. And obviously over time he got better and better and better. And in the end... He cut it all together and he had this wonderful video that was just him getting better and better and better at German. It was amazing to look at and it went viral. So I became aware of it and I contacted him and I went, hey, I'd love to talk to you about this, I teach. And I'm I'm curious about different ways of learning. So I interviewed him about what motivated him and how he feels about learning languages and all that kind of stuff. Really great interview, recorded it, typed it all up posted it as a blog article sent him an email hey look your blog article's live oh great great i'm so proud it turned out really well and he replied back yes yeah it looks really really good Ah, oh, you've paraphrased me a little bit you've made me you've made me sound british ha ha ha, ha. and i was like oh crap oh, <laughs> i've i've taken away his voice right i've taken how he sounds and because i was not transcribing. I was paraphrasing. I was typing it up and talking about it. It, you know, I, f- I felt like I'd lost his message a little bit. So in the end, I thought, mm, okay, let's have a look. Let's have a play around. My website is Squarespace, and Squarespace is fairly user friendly with and and fairly flexible if you want to just kind of play around with media. So I realized that they have audio, some kind of audio in, inputy kind of thing where you could in your blog article pop in a little bit of audio, and I was like, mm, okay okay, next time I do an interview, I'm not going to do this again because it was loads of work typing this up and it didn't even turn out good. So I interviewed the next person. I think it was Jason Levine was probably the next person who is, he, he, he goes by Fluency MC and he teaches English, but he has all these cool like English learning songs that are hip hop. So he has like stick, stuck, stuck, stick, stuck, stuck, or something like that. And it's, he has these hip hop songs. It's great. Yeah. If you go all the way back to the Fluent Language Archive, uh, the Fluent Show Archive, he's one of my first like five episodes and he's really fun. He rapped and obviously I'm so glad that I'd already decided to record all the audio and just post the audio because he, I got him to rap, like to perform a little bit of hip hop in the middle of the interview. It was so much fun. And just then popped it into this audio blocky thing on Squarespace. And then, and then I noticed there's this tab where it said podcasting and you could put in all of your iTunes, the things and tags and all that stuff. And I kind of looked into it. I was like, oh, okay. I could pretend this is a podcast. Hmm, cool. <laughs> Did that. And then it started generating an RSS feed. And you know, this is really like, now if you go podcasting, they, straight away, it's much, much easier because you've got this host there. Whereas for me, it was like, oh, my blog can host a podcast. And then, kind of fumbled my way through this until I had somehow submitted it to iTunes. And then I went into iTunes, and my podcast was there, and it just felt like amazing. But I didn't promote it or anything because it was just like, look at this hilarious thing I've just done. <laughs> <laughs> I just made a podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's yeah, so
1: like the best start of a podcast ever. <laughs> What a what a beginning story for the fluent show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> It wasn't like, it wasn't meant to be this like, okay, this is a language podcast. Um, And then over time, it kind of grew from there. So then I was like, okay, cool. I'm now doing a podcast and I'm really enjoying this. And I've always wanted to be like a radio DJ. So I kind of talked more. Um, Then I had Lindsay on as a guest because Lindsay seemed cool. And then Lindsay and I got on really well on the podcast. And I thought, oh, I would love to have Lindsay on more. And one of my favorite podcasts is like, like what you do. To just a conversation between friends. That's really how I want the podcast to feel. So then I asked her if she wanted to co-host because I thought this way it'll feel like a conversation between friends. And yeah, after that, I think it was fairly much, it was very much like a podcast, but it's still run by Creative Language Learning Podcast for another two years until I got sick of telling people that name and seeing them wither and get bored halfway through the long, long name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And now it's the Fluent Show.
2: That's it, yeah.
0: Which nobody gets bored by the name of Fluent Show. <laughs> no. So yeah. Um, that's yeah, that's a great, great story, great background to how it all, how it all has come to be. Um, have you, I guess, in the last few years, had any kind of guests or interviews or episodes that have been really standout for you, for one way or another? Mm-hmm. For me, absolutely, absolutely.
2: For me, I now run three types of episodes. I do a solo episode that's every other week. It's just me answering a listener question, usually a listener question. Um, I've started offering teacher chats as well. So either a question from a teacher about the business side of language learning or from a learner where they are stuck and they're just really trying to figure something out most of those that they, they don't stand there's no standout for me it's more like oh I was able to answer a question it's quite satisfying to be able to put all of this together and sound like ask Kirsten advice lady you know <laughs> the guests uh I've got once a month I've got a guest and then once a month I've got Lindsay and the, the episodes of Lindsay they're all super enjoyable and I think one of my favorites that is the recurring theme that we have every half year is called Top Tools. <laughs> I made oh a jingle God, for Hot it. Hot
1: Tools in me too. Me too. <laughs> I look forward to them so much when you guys announce that they're coming
2: out. <laughs> so, There's so much fun. There's so much fun. It's, it's We basically dig around for apps and random things that have been recommended, or sometimes because you've got a blog or a podcast, like people will contact you and they go, I'm a developer and I've made this amazing language learning app. Look, it does flashcards. And you're like, wow, that's original. (laughs) But every now and then there really is something original. There really is something exciting. And in Top Tools is where we can bring it all together and say, hey, I've been trying this. I've been using this new thing. And we don't normally go so much into the tactical, like here is how to do this, because I don't like to pretend that there is only one way of doing things. So I tend to not talk about that so much. But in Top Tools, we come at it from this point of view of like, just play around with these you know here are, here are a few cool things to play around with so I enjoy those Um, and guest wise I think one of my absolute favorites was interviewing Dr. Roger Kreutz who has written a book called Becoming Fluent and when I read that book so much of it was yes this is this is like the book I have wanted written about language learning and I contacted him and I was like such a girl. so that was really exciting Um, and the inventor of Klingon the um, Mark, Mark Ochran. that was really cool as well. Cause he had so many stories.
0: Oh, yeah. Wow. All the guests are special though. A couple of good episodes we can link through in the uh, show notes for this episode, I think. Yeah, definitely. And
1: the, I remember actually listening to the Roger Corrits episode and I read his book after that, um, because I was so, I guess I was so motivated afterwards to hear what he had to say. And I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, isn't he clever? And he had so many mm. like different perspectives and such a gentle way. Cause a lot of the the books that we get about learning language tend to be these kind of like here is my method that's gonna teach you everything. Like like they're more instructive, whereas Becoming fluent was more about cognitive science and more about here's what your brain does and here's why this works and this doesn't work. And I felt like it was really a space that it filled that hadn't been filled before. So I massively enjoyed that, yeah.
0: So with your, I guess, formative years and and kind of growing up, were you surrounded by lots of languages or did kind of language come to you as an adult or as kind of an older kid? (laughs) (laughs)
2: older kid older kid yeah (laughs) I didn't I didn't grow up bilingual or anything except I I grew up surrounded by a strong variant of German that is very different from Hochdeutsch you know school German media German um so I kind of had this dialect and I always I think I always had some sort of awareness that there is that there are different ways of languaging I guess you know like that different languages exist that there are different environments where people will speak differently um, and people will communicate differently and just from having grown up in a, a part of Germany that at times you know like if you go far enough into the past we were all French where I'm from bonjour and you know so i've grown up in a really really rural area of germany but if you grow up in germany you're never really too far away from a border with another country germany has a lot of borders with other countries and where i grew up we were really near luxembourg and luxembourg is where the petrol is cheap so we actually went over the border a lot everybody does (laughs) this right (laughs) just you know you go um Buy a lot of cigarettes. That's kind of gone out of fashion, but that's people used to buy a lot of cigarettes. (laughs) Yeah, alcohol also. Cigarettes, alcohol, uh, medicine, like um, painkillers and all that kind of stuff people would buy in Luxembourg and petrol, uh, fill up the car and then come back. But they have a different currency and the signs would be in German and in French. It was mostly, it was border regions. Everybody spoke German, but you might get there and then, you know, halfway through driving there, your radio starts picking up uh, Radio litzeburg So again, you kind of have a different, you have a different language around you and also grew up quite near France. So I was kind of aware of French. Yeah, but but not really more through, not really surrounded as in I would hear it every day um, until, until I started learning English, until I had formal lessons in English. Did you enjoy learning English at school? Oh, my God, I loved it. I couldn't wait to start. <laughs> uh, but a lot of, well, a lot of German, especially, I think, in the 80s, right? In the 80s, you've got Germany, I guess, still a divided country. And I went to primary school. I went to primary school and then, don't let me get this wrong, da 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 Yes, I was in primary school in 1990 when Germany reunited. And then in 1993 is when I went to secondary school and started taking my formal English lessons. So Germany was still kind of just like... (laughs) People joke about like David Hasselhoff, but it was kind of like, I think as a bigger symbol, I don't want to be like, the Hoff came and saved Germany. But we had like... (laughs) Night Rider and Baywatch and the A Team, we had all this stuff, all this influence from influence from American culture, American TV show. They were all dubbed, so I wouldn't hear a lot of English. But on the radio, you'd then hear American um you'd hear American music and all that kind of stuff. And I think it did influence us a little bit that that, that was uh, like you you knew that's cool, you knew that's culturally dominant, you knew that's that's kind of what we what we look into. I think in Germany a lot of people um my my generation we we grew up thinking america is like the super coolest place on earth and because i'm so contrary when i started learning english i actually really really became very anglophile like england anglophile um i felt like i was extra cool i suppose (laughs) and i'm just trying to think back yeah. Yeah. Roughly that was it. So I, I just couldn't wait for English. Like I know that in primary school before we had formal English lessons, we did, if you're happy and you know, it, clap your hands. And I already felt like that was the coolest thing that could possibly happen because of saying English words. <laughs>
0: oh, so that's a, that's a nice little reminisce, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so what happened after English? Because did you then get this kind of passion and drive for learning languages or did you go okay cool I've learned some English I feel quite content or was this this love of language learning kind of ingrained in you from then on? I don't think there was a
2: love of language learning as such. English was a school subject I was instantly super excited about and super good at like I got A's in English all the way through my school career. If I ever got a B, I was massively insulted and and it was a big personal crisis. so <laughs> so English was like it it gave me something it gave me kind of something to to feel really good at as well and two years later, in my school, uh we had to take a second foreign language, got given a choice between French and Latin, and at the time, I was like, well, Latin's dead, and the boys are doing Latin, so I'm doing French. Um, that was my logic right and I just did French didn't really fall in love with it never really have sorry French and a year later the school offered us Italian as as an option so it was you could take an extra optional if you wanted to afternoon class in either Spanish Italian or French if you're a Latin learner so it was for me it was between Spanish and Italian so I picked Italian think because I liked the food and some of the Italian music was often on the radio and that's probably the first time I realized that I'm like doing something extra beyond what in school I already had to do and I'm having a really good time with it so that was the first time voluntary language learning came into my life when I was maybe 14 and I really enjoyed the sort of afternoon relaxed no pressure my grade doesn't really matter italian lessons um and then from there um i think i i had i had this awareness that i like languages and i took every opportunity to do languages like as an added school subject but i never did it outside school i never would like go home and pick up another language that didn't seem possible to me
0: yeah it's interesting isn't it looking back at at a younger self of us ourselves. We, Beck and I talk about this a lot, don't we, Beck? <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah, it's it is it is. I think like not having that consciousness, maybe, of when you were younger and what it is that you actually enjoyed or mm. what you thought you enjoyed or you know what kind of got you going. Like I think it's only much it's only later in life that we sometimes find that. Other people do find it sometimes very early, and you know, I, I kind of almost. Envy people who <laughs> earlier in their lives were like, "I'm gonna," you know, "I love horses," and I'm gonna become a bit like, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> just like, you know, some people just knew exactly what they wanted to do. They knew exactly what got them interested, yeah. and that's just not the same for everybody. But interestingly, for for languages, yeah, I do, I do feel like a lot of people do find it later in life. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you look back on your, your experience as a school kid and you either, you know, sometimes you're like, oh God, I wish I'd studied this. Like, why didn't I keep going with Italian? Why didn't I keep going with Spanish when I had to learn it for a semester at some point? Um, but, you know, all in hindsight.
2: Well, in languages, we don't There is no obvious career path. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm going to be a doctor. That's really obvious. Or, you know, at least on the surface, that's really obvious. And that's the actual job. Whereas with, with languages, when I started going sort of towards university age, I constantly get. I am but macht mananda mit like what do you do with this after? What do you do with this after? What do you do with this after? And I know that the reason I took Latin was like, well, in case I want to, I guess, learn how to like in case I want to go to university and become a teacher. Nothing really called me to becoming a school teacher, but it was one of the like three careers that I could think of. And I think I'm quite lucky in the way that where I grew up, because we're so near Luxembourg, we always got job adverts in the back of the newspaper. That for the for the officey, managey kind of jobs were they the advert the advert would either say must speak English and French, or the advert would be bilingual, or would be like in English too and all that stuff. And in Germany, you're very aware that if you're going to go into an office job, it's it's very expected of you to speak English. Most of us will kind of speak English in that kind of environment and because I grew up near Luxembourg and near France it was like okay if you want to go into an office environment you want to go to Luxembourg because that's where the good money is like this is sort of how my family thought about it my family who all no one works in an office they're all like vine- winemakers you know so this is kind of like the cartoon version of working in an office it's like then you also have to speak French and that's how I did that's why I did the foreign language secretary training as well because also um I think I never expected to be like a manager because again that's like that is about as much as my dad knows or my parents know about what a manager might do um it was sort of you know you could train to be a secretary um so that's that's all I was I would I, I kind of considered as my as my options and I think I think now it's very, very different. And I think now you can go on the internet and you can see that there's people who call themselves polyglots and all that stuff. But if you don't have the internet, you don't necessarily even realize that that's like how much opportunity is out there that you are not able to take. Hmm.
0: Yep. The world is a different place than it was in the 1990s. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. Sorry. Welcome to Grandma Cast.
0: Beck's used to it with me, aren't you, Beck? Be- <laughs> And do you know <laughs> Kirsten that you, along with your other wonderful co-founders of Women in Language, Lindsay and Shannon, are responsible for Beck and I meeting? What? And so you met you met through Women in Language? We sure did. We sure did. Twenty
2: eighteen. Yeah. So. We Back have in the, f- the
1: first one too. Yeah, I was
2: going <laughs> to say it's the first one
1: yeah, exactly. And for anyone who's listening and doesn't know what Women in Language is, um, Kirsten, could you give
2: us a bit of a, a bit of a background on on what this thing is that we're talking about? So, Women in Language is an online conference. So, four days of kind of webinar style, lots and lots of different speakers presenting. And the online conference is four days long, like I said, and organized by Lindsay Williams, Shannon Kennedy and me. It's all about languages. We invite lots and lots of people who are super cool and can share some of their expertise. Could it be about, it, it might be about um, it might be about how they incorporate languages in their lives. We've had people, you know, like Penny's come and spoken about languages and travel. And I think, Penny, you were on a panel about languages and little ones, you know, with bringing yep. languages and kids together and, you know, family life and all that stuff. We have so many different angles of languages and all these experts. And the t- twist, I guess, about it is that all of our speakers are female or wim XN, you know. So we we have really created a space where we open the stage to women as opposed or to, to non-men who are excited about language learning. And the motivation for it was sort of that in our space we see a lot of experts and it's still I don't even know how it happens, but the predominant number of experts and people who present at conferences and all that stuff um, can be overwhelmingly male, um, might even say male white. And we wanted to put out something different. And instead of something I strongly believe in is that instead of complaining, <laughs> I guess, the, the best way to change something is if you can possibly, you know, to, to do it better or to do your own version or to, you know, create something that offers a different perspective without a takedown that's not what it's meant to be so that's kind of what women in language was meant to be just uh hey what would this look like if we ran a language conference and we just had women on the stage and turns out it looks amazing and it's so much fun and it is the best experience and yeah both of you have spoken at women in language
0: so what were your experiences like of the event i i completely agree it was like a, a completely new experience for me i think being an attendee the first time around and just being kind of surrounded and immersed in this kind of world of people who loved languages. And I think it was my first time to go, oh, wow, look at all these other people around the world that I can relate to and I can talk to about this kind of stuff um, and having the opportunity to kind of talk about some of my ideas and thoughts at the following year was just amazing um, and yeah, like we said, I mean, being able to meet Beck and other amazing other language people has been a huge, a huge highlight for me. Mm.
1: Yeah, for, for me too. I mean, I loved it. Um, the first the first one in 2018 was like my first experience too of a language event anywhere of any kind. Um, and I remember thinking at the time, just how nice it was like I mean I mean kind like the the community and all the people who were involved everyone was just so nice (laughs) and I I think I don't know whether at the time my experiences of just the internet in general had been like fine you know just just normal person experiences of using the internet and interacting with other people on the internet but just I couldn't believe how completely open and like welcoming this this community was Um, Mm. and since then it's only been reinforced in other places and in in-person events and um, the sort of wider language community as a whole. Um, but I just yet remember being floored by the <laughs> just the, the general kindness of all of these people who just seemed interested and nice and lovely and like willing to listen and you know they cared about people's stories and they were supportive and no one was like cutting anyone down or being like you're not good enough you know you don't speak French well enough or you don't speak Chinese well enough it was all everyone was like wow everything you do is great
2: (laughs) it was just so just so uplifting Mm, mm, that's oh i'm so pleased to hear it <laughs> i don't i mean i don't want to say like that's a function of oh well it's because it's because we don't have men there first of all we do we we the ticket sales are open to everybody when we don't we don't discriminate in that way at all um i think there is something for me as i I'm our chief people herder, as both of you have experienced in the past, which means (laughs) I'm the person who tries to contact all the speakers and get them to send in their stuff on time and turn up at this place at this time and do this thing and do that thing. And something I notice every single year, it's gone down a little bit, maybe, I don't know, um, maybe something is is growing. But something I I notice every single year is that there's this sort of, there can be this hesitation to speak and at least – because we we don't do a call for papers, you know, at Women in Language. Instead, what we do is we we collect nominations all year round. So if somebody has somebody cool that they want to nominate, they can they can contact us. Or you know, they I've not, I'm now I'm now going to make them fill in a form because nobody ever tells me the emails. Off the p oh, On no, this is a different round. How many emails, please? <laughs> this is my people hurting. But something I know. So so we collect nominations and then we look at the nominations. We go, okay, here's our. Like uh, here's our first round of people. These are the people that we we want to contact where we think like these these would be really, really cool to have. So there is a level of curation in there, of course, because we can't have an 80 people event. It would just we we'd all just Lindsay Shannon and I would never like sleep again. But every year when I contact these people, there's at least one. There's usually more who kind of do this thing where they're like oh, really, I don't, mm, do you think, well, I don't know. I don't know if I would have something valuable to say. I don't know if I've got something to contribute. And I'm like, but we've asked you because, you know, like we see this thing that you're doing and it's awesome. Please come and tell us about it. But I don't know. Do you think anybody wants to hear what I've got to say? I don't know. And mm, mm, what do you think your people will want to hear? And this is like, I I don't know. I, and I'm not, I'm not going to massively um, generalize here, but like guys don't do that as much.
0: Yeah, I know they it's, don't do
2: that as much, and it's such a great thing to sell it to put a space together. And I go out of my way every year, and, and and I think Women in Language as a event, we want to sort of just say like, no, 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 but this is really cool, and we want you to kind of participate, and we want you to come and and speak. And the idea is also to not just. Give you this like oh here's women in language and this is the one place where you can speak the idea is really to give every single person this kind of feeling that they have something that is worth contributing and to kind of look at everything that they have to say and if you want to contribute to discussions you know because there's many many language events out there and they some of them hand-wringing and saying like oh we, we why don't we have enough female speakers? And it's, it's this whole thing where they then go, oh, but nobody puts themselves forward. So if we can create that space where people are seeing more of that, just ever so slightly different angle of things, ever so slightly different perspective, and then people go out and put that out into the wider world, I think we've done a cool thing.
0: For sure. Did that make any sense? For sure. Oh, completely. Yes, okay. <laughs> Beck, does this ring bells with you? Like, did you feel like having being a speaker at the Women in Language inaugural event kind of spurred you on to put yourself up as a speaker for the language event in Melbourne and the Polyglot Conference in Fukuoka? Like was that? Oh, it definitely did. I, I can remember when when Kirsten
1: did reach out to me for the first Women in Language and I remember thinking at the time the exact things that you said before. <laughs> I was like, I don't know that I've got anything interesting to share <laughs> Are are you sure? Like I, I, I just I remember just thinking it was so nice that to be contacted but that like you know I was like I'm not a I'm not a YouTuber like I'm not I'm not a I didn't feel like a professional um in languages at all. I genuinely just felt like maybe I didn't have something valuable to say um and so and but it was my first time presenting at something like that and I guess and it was just so nice to be offered the opportunity that I just went ahead and did it. Um, but it definitely was a, a confidence-building moment too. And it was so nice to see so many other people, you know, putting themselves out there and feeling very secure. I mean, it's a very – Women in Language is a very safe place and it feels like mm-hmm. a safe place to everybody who takes part.
2: Yeah. Do you feel – because you've presented at Fukuoka, did that, did that feel different in terms of did you feel like you're putting – did it did it feel riskier? Perhaps because it's an, not an online event, or for any different reason.
1: <laughs> it was. I wouldn't say riskier. It did feel. Um, I was quite like. Uh, I was a little bit anxious about it beforehand, and I'm not a. I'm not uncomfortable with public speaking, so I was sort of quite surprised with myself the, you know, night before when I was sitting there being like, why am I so worried? Like, stop. Um, <laughs> and then, um, but it was, again, a very welcoming environment. Everybody was great. People were really supportive and very lovely. So um, I think, you know, something like Women in Language, it definitely made me feel more confident to, say, put forward a proposal for something like the Polyglot Conference. Um, but it was just a different... A different group of people and I didn't know very many people who were there so in that sense it was a little bit um nerve-wracking but mm-hmm. I was yeah happily happily reassured afterwards that everybody was just as kind and and supportive there too.
0: <laughs> and um Kirsten, do we have anything to look forward to for Women in Language coming yes. up in the future at all?
2: Oh yes, because that's not obvious. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we've, yes, we've just gone into all of the history of, of this, but we have to
2: talk about this year's event. <laughs> we have to. yes, yes, we must, we must, we must. Women in Language is back this year, and it, it might not be if you've been in if you've attended Women in Language before, you'll have attended it in March because we originally the, the original baby idea of Women in Language was a one day thing for International Women's Day, which then very quickly became a four day party. And we, so we tried to run it in March over International Women's Day. And this year, this is even before COVID kind of, you know, reached Europe. It just wasn't happening. We tried to mess around and we moved the date around and Shannon was like, oh, I've got to be around the world, but maybe I could get up and do it at 3 a.m. And I was just like, look, guys, this just isn't happening. Um, I was prepping for moving house. It did so many different angles where this just wasn't happening. We just didn't, we just couldn't make it work. So in the end we went, okay, right, let's not cancel it completely but let's kick this really, f- what feels like far away, um, into the future. Let's let's do it in September. Um, finally found some dates. And yes, those dates are now coming up. And we do have the time. And we are prepared. And, well, no one's traveling anymore. So... <laughs> It's, 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 it's a great time for an online conference, as a church. It's a perfect time for an online conference. So what are the dates? So Women in Language is happening from the 17th to the 20th of September 2020. 17th Thursday, that's when we're starting. And I can kind of, let me just pull up the schedule so I can give you our most likely starting time. We've got a relatively Aussie-friendly day. Um, in there as well, because our Saturday starts at British. Um, the first talk is at British 9am, which is AEST 6pm. It's good. Perfect.
1: It's good. Yes,
2: that's that our Saturday. Great. So I know I know Australia always gets shortchanged and I'm sorry about that, but it's just oh, uh, it's impossible. Okay. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> so our f-
1: don't worry, we're, we're used to it. It's-
2: <laughs> our first day starts at 2pm British, but then our Saturday is going to be... Aussie, pretty Aussie friendly, I would say. Um, if you're willing to spend your Saturday evening hanging out with us, and we won't mind if you get drunk because we're all online. Yay! <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, Penny, it sounds like we're going to have to have some kind of like, I don't know, virtual party on Yeah, a that'd be
2: night good. To Swim celebrate women
0: in language, mm-hmm.
2: maybe. <gasps> yeah, Please no, do. a good idea we get such yeah. a good buzz going on social media as well people posting all their pictures of uh, you know like how they are enjoying women in language we've got a very lively chat room very lively chat room every year and we've we've made sure we're getting the chat room back as well we have got new something new on the friday and the sunday as well which is bringing in speak easy sessions to play around with so their language Practice session, excuse me. And we've got the two panels, lots and lots of speakers. I think it's 28 or 29 speakers that are coming in this year. You will have more women in language than you've ever had before. So 17th to the 20th, uh, it's a four-day event. Our tickets are 29 US dollars, I believe. So it's, it's usually... Usually quite accessible for everybody, and I think we're doing suspended tickets again. So if you purchase a ticket and you want to contribute to the cost of a ticket for someone who can't afford it, we can do that as well. That's coming in. Um, as we are recording, we haven't got ticket sales open yet, but we're only weeks away now from opening up the ticket sales and everything. All the good stuff is going to be at womeninlanguage.com. That's where people can come and join us. And yeah, do do it's 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 a really really fun event. And, yeah, 29 female, all female speakers. Oh, can't wait.
1: <laughs> that sounds great. So exciting. Super exciting. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep everybody updated through our channels um, when tickets are on sale. Mm-hmm. Um, but until then, um,
2: the website for Women in Language is womeninlanguage.com. It is womeninlanguage.com and at womeninlanguage.com you can then sign up for our newsletter so you'd get an email instantly when the tickets go up for sale. I've got something else I want to tell you about just for the oh, Fluent please, Show please. if I may. <laughs> of this is Yes this is not like a big event but one of the reasons I've kind of come around and talking about the Fluent Show and something I really want to mention and just invite everybody to because we are going to do a live stream on the 9th of October and it is it's a special it's a special event to me and I want to invite everybody who wants to come to this like special thing that is meaningful to me, <laughs> I guess, which is the Fluent Show's two hundredth episode
0: oh my Ooh,
1: goodness gosh,
2: what, what a god. milestone that's amazing 200
1: episodes
2: 200 I don't know how it happened but I'm just I looked at it and I was like I'm so excited about this oh my god that's so weird yeah yeah we're just gonna have a nice little hangout Lindsay and I, maybe talk about a few other things as well. And I've got the and I'm kind of thinking about what exactly we're going to do, but I think there will be a quiz probably, maybe some party games. So we need some people in the live stream. We need some people to participate with us. Yay. I was just
1: going to say, I feel like you guys did a live stream for the 100th episode, did you? Or 150? Because I did. Like I, I definitely attended a Fluent Joy live stream a while back. Um, with a chaotic quiz, um, right?
0: Yes, I
1: did. quiz. <laughs> so. so, yeah. th- Also, something else that I I do feel we should mention to anyone out there who hasn't listened to the Fluent Show but is soon to be probably a desperately attached listener like we are, Um, there is a little Easter egg I feel like in every Top Tools episode, Um, (laughs) and that is Kirsten. Do you know what I'm going to (laughs) say? Are you on about my jingle? There's a jingle. There's a jingle. The jingle the jingle is great. The jingle is probably the best part of the Top Tools episodes. Um, so if <laughs> you just need a new introduction to a fantastic language related podcast, then uh go to those Top Tools episode and listen out for the jingle.
2: I need an episode two hundred jingle. You've just you've only just made me realize that.
0: Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. So different to that. I know
2: I know well it's there's a there's a a guy on Fiverr I can't remember his name but if you if you ever want a jingle making for your podcast let me know and I'm gonna pass you on to this guy on Fiverr (laughs) who helped me make it the first time I made it it was just me on like in garage band kind of and singing some nonsense (laughs) over it and then it slowly evolved and now it's this kind of like five seconds of pop magic (laughs) With me singing out of tunes. I love don't, it. I love don't, that don't jingle. Don't give it away. Don't
1: give it away. Sorry, We're sorry. To listen to podcast and then they can enjoy the jingle for themselves.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you love the jingle. I'm glad. It's many, fun. many weeks we've worked on that. <laughs>
0: so much to look forward to in the next couple of months. That's yeah, going to be so much packed September on. and October for you, Kirsten. That's
2: true. That's true. And and again, like you know, when I said I have like a fairly intuitive um, approach to my to my work, I just I only just realized that that is like within a few weeks of each other that we're doing episode two hundred <laughs> and women in language. So you're very right. It's going to be a really exciting September and October. And I would love, I would love to invite you know like extend the invitation. The reason these are fun things is because people come and participate. The reason women in language works, is because like last year it was I think it was five hundred people because so many people come and participate and have fun with us and share and connect with each other and really get something out of it. You know, we all we can do is kind of pull it all together and tell a few, you know, tell a few amazing people to turn up and prepare to speak. But the audience really, you know, we, we can't force people to come. People really come and and do us this amazing favor of attending Women in Language and making it amazing. So I'm so grateful to them, really. And
0: as we are to you for sure, because um yeah, what would what would our language calendars be without women in language every year? So And language, so. <laughs> and language um, chats wouldn't even be here without women oh, that's in language. Right. Sorry. And <laughs> language lovers, I know. I was thinking so that earlier for. Yes. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Kirsten, for coming to join us on Language Chats. It's been so wonderful to talk to you, so thank you very much. And just a shout-out, Kirsten, what's the best place for people to find you if they're on Instagram or Facebook? Because I forgot to ask. <laughs>
2: <laughs> on Instagram, I am Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N underscore fluent. On Twitter, I am at fluent Language or at The Fluent Show if you want sort of notifications whenever there's a new episode. And everything else is at
0: fluent.show and fluentlanguage.co.uk. And thank you to everyone for tuning in to another episode of Language Chats. Um, As you know, which is a larger project, we started um, part of Language Lovers AU, where we're building a community of people who are interested in languages in Australia. Um, You can subscribe to our mailing list at languagelovers.com.au. Um, You can also find us on
1: Instagram at languagelovers.au and on Facebook, Language Lovers AU Community, if you want to join our Facebook group. Um And if you have enjoyed this episode, which has been a bit of a bumper episode, this is a little bit longer than than our usual <laughs> our usual Language Chats episode, but worth it because um Kirsten's been a fantastic guest and we're very happy to have her here um then please do leave us a review because it will help other language lovers to find us as well we'll see you next time and thank, thank you kirsten you.
0: thanks kirsten <laughs> thank you so thanks, much kirsten.
2: for having me thank you so much thank this is so cool <laughs> bye Ciao.